Welcome to Lunch Break, a special weekly series of the Eternal Entrepreneur that gives you bite-sized pieces of wisdom on how to build a functional faith and business. Each episode unpacks a short, actionable topic you can put into practice this week. Let's get into it. Well, hello and welcome back. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Lunch Break. I am Pierce Brantley, co-host of the Eternal Entrepreneur, and today we're going to continue our conversation on calling. Specifically, what does it mean for the entrepreneur, the business owner, to both have a business, have this kind of entity that they run, and also participate in the call of the kingdom that is on this individual's life, on your life? Last time we talked, in part one, we talked about how calling is both a state and an assignment calling. So if you look at all of kind of Christ's descriptions of him being the vine and we being the branches, a branch is both a state and an assignment. A branch cannot help but be associated to the vine by extension. It gets its whole identity from the fact that it grows from the vine itself. At the same time, a branch has an assignment to bear fruit. We all know there are a lot of different verses that talk about the need for the Christian to bear good fruit in their lives as a, uh, a testimony to the sap of the Spirit flowing through them and producing good things. The good news, of course, that is that it is the sap of the Spirit growing the fruit in us. All we have to do is abide, be cognizant of what God is doing in our lives, and good things should come from that. So that is the foundation of calling. What that means for us in terms of our businesses is that we should be seeing good fruit. The question that I want to talk about today is, once we have this kind of foundation, baseline understanding of what it means to be called in Christ, we're all called in Christ, in Christ, for Christ, unto good works that glorify Christ. Once we have that foundational understanding, the question is, okay, but I don't feel called or I don't really know how to start operationally stepping into that. So in my own life, I know that I am called to both teach, to encourage, and to some extent to prophesy, meaning to speak uh, God's truth into situations, um, both supernaturally and on instinct based off of what, off what the scriptures say. That can look like a lot of different things dependent on the role that I am presently in. But the calling persists regardless of the role, regardless of the job that I own, the businesses that I own. The calling persists through all of them. Our, uh, our default MO is to assume that we are going to do whatever it takes to prepare ourselves for calling. And then once God releases us, that's when we step into this kind of great unknown. We come down off the mountaintop, so to speak. But the truth is that in Christ, we are always starting from that mountaintop position because of what Christ has done in our lives. The question for the Christian who hasn't been living from this place of exuberant uh, existential sense of what God is doing in the world and in them and for the benefit of others to the glory of Christ is that up until this kind of revelation that all things are unto Christ 
and that there's specific work for us to do, we don't necessarily know how to step into it. And when you can step into it right now, regardless of the, where you're at on your entrepreneurial journey, regardless of the stage of growth of your business, regardless of whether you feel totally ready for it or not, you can do it now. And that's kind of what uh, we're going to talk about. So uh, I love the story of Gideon. Gideon is the perfect example for all of us who are, who are moving into this new reality of being called because he's so unprepared for it, <laughs> like so many of us. The story of Gideon, Old Testament, opens up, and Gideon is basically like bacon brownies with an easy bake oven. This guy is not living his best life. This, his story opens, and he is hiding from the Midianite army while basically creating flour for who knows what reason. He's baking brownies. And he is hiding, afraid that he's going to get caught and that the Midianites are going to steal his flower that he's working on. Uh, these are uh, the life problems of Gideon. Uh, the struggle is real for this buddy. So in the midst of all of this, angel of the Lord shows up, says, Gideon, get up, dust the flower off. I want you to lead an army for me. And Gideon goes, yeah, no. And the Lord says, Go in the strength you have. And Gideon goes, uh, here are the facts, angel of the Lord. I uh, I don't really know you that well, A. B, um, my family didn't really follow you. My dad isn't exactly close with you. And uh, C, it has been a long time since you did anything like you did in Egypt. And so... I don't have a lot of proof points here for you using me to lead an army. Angel of the Lord, go in the strength you have. But I, nope, go in the strength you have. Three times, at least. Go in the strength you have, Gideon. So Gideon, without the skill set, without the prominence and the banner of superficial uh uh, accolades and everything else goes, I guess I'm going to lead an army. I'm going in the strength I have. And if you know the rest of the story of Gideon, the Lord continues to build his faith by continually shrinking his army until he has, basically he's working from a position of lack. And from that position, he goes on to do great things from the Lord. For you, entrepreneur, the call on your life requires that you go in the strength you have, not the skill sets that you want to have, not the education that might level you up, not the connections that may give you more access to more networking, to more opportunities. When the call of God is on your life, everything becomes secondary because none of the things help you. Just like with Gideon, He's thinking, okay, well, if I'm going to lead an army, I need the best and I need the biggest and I need the most. Lord says, no, you need the reality that I asked you to lead. That is what you need. Because of that, the number becomes insignificant. In our own lives, because of that, the financing, the connections, the networking, the access, the tower, the ladder that we want to climb, that all becomes irrelevant. Not that God may not sometimes use them, but 
likely he will not use them so that the manifestation of the spirit will be more evident in your life. So you look at the stories of Paul, you know, Paul was, uh, came into the fold late, right? And Paul is who most of us would like to think of ourselves as being if we were in his position, because he had everything. He had the education. He had the family line. He had he lived in the right neighborhoods. He had the right roles in politics and city council and all this kind of things. He had everything that you could want. And what does he say over and over and over and over again that he does not when he's admonishing the churches, that he does not use persuasive language. The Greeks at that time were really big on rhetoric. They shaped what rhetoric looks like uh, for modern day, even public speaking. He intentionally did not use like rhetoric, rhetorical devices and, and ways of structuring his talks because he wanted, he wanted the spirit to be more evident in what he was saying. When you operate from a position of calling the things we think we need are not necessary. What is necessary is that we go in the strength that we have. So what does that mean? Going in the strength we have means one, identifying with both the state and the assignment. God, thank you for making me a branch and thank you for assigning me a place in your kingdom. Thank you for those two things. I accept that reality. From that position onward, we say, okay, Lord, given what you have given me, given my present state, from there we say, Lord, all right, where am I going to bear the most fruit, given that I know that you've assigned me? And here's where oftentimes the church can sort of get it twisted a little bit, or we, we have trouble kind of sifting out and parsing out the assignment versus the state of calling. In reality, God does have specific things for you to do. He's not going to ask a teacher to be a prophet. He's not going to ask an apostle necessarily to be an evangelist. He's not going to ask someone who's gifted in tongues to necessarily work from, you know, a position of healing. Are we supposed to desire all the gifts, both the supernatural and the practical? Yes, but in reality, we're different types of people and the call on our lives look different. Your call will not look like my call and that is okay. And to try and retrofit ourselves into it or worse to say there is no call and all we just do is kind of abide is the definition of apathy in the church. So there is an assignment, but what it looks like is not striving for that assignment, but resting in the fact that our sonship and our kingship, our daughtership, our queenship is secure. And from that, uh, look at the opportunities to be about the kingdom and everything that we do. All right. So it's a lunch break. We always got homework. What are we talking about when it comes to going in the strength that you have? It doesn't mean starting something new unless the Holy, Holy Spirit prompts it. It doesn't mean uh, going and, you know, going on some 40-day fast or figuring out some new way to live a called life. No, you start with going in the strength that you have, which means being fully present to the opportunity that is in front of you in the present day situation that you have, not waiting until your business gets to a certain point to be about kingdom work, not waiting until your entrepreneurial has enough accolades behind it to start 
you know, looking like you are contributing to the kingdom in some greater way. It means starting right now exactly as you find yourself. When we look at the great men and women of God, both today, think of someone that you really respect also in the you know near past and then in the biblical past, it's very tempting to look at their lives and say, the call of God was so strong in their lives. Look at everything that they've done. Not realizing that there's always a shovel and a wrench and a pin behind every single calling. You look at, you know, Billy Graham, for instance, I know low hanging fruit, but that was work. There was still building out a ministry. There was still flying in planes. There was still layovers. There was still writing sermons. There was still crafting a message and being consistent and building out a nonprofit and everything that kind of came with the day in the life work of, of a ministry. Calling is not absent of work. Work in the spirit lends itself to calling and the two play on each other. So the temptation is to look at people who are on stages or doing anything in prominence and think, man, I wish I could have that. In reality, that took a long time to get there. No one builds uh, a legacy overnight. And not that even calling is about legacy, but the stories and the testimonies come from walking consistently in the things of God and the stories begin to mount and the good things begin to mount and greater and greater fruit begins uh, to come from that person's life. All right, eternal entrepreneurs, I hope this was useful for you all. And I hope that you have a fantastic week. Next time, we're going to be talking about faith and how to apply it directly uh, into our work days as a way of abiding in Christ. Uh, this is from chapter three and calling, awaken to the purpose of your work. But until then, I hope you guys have a fantastic week. I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, do me a favor and leave a quick review. When you do, it helps other entrepreneurs find this content and benefit from it too. See you next week.